This programme was produced at and first aired on NPR, Manawatu People's Radio, with support from New Zealand On Air. Kapai Irarangi Tomotu, NPR. Support this show and others like it by giving a donation. For more information, go to www.mpr.nz forward slash donate. Welcome to Friend of Maryland. My name is Kat Pauze, and this is a fat-friendly space. Welcome to a special compilation episode of Friend of Maryland. Instead of a brand new show this week, what you're going to get are some highlights from some of the best interviews that have been done here at Friend of Maryland over the last couple of years. Enjoy! Joining me today is Gabrielle, a fat writer and translator who has the fat positive blog, Dis October in Montreal, Canada. Gabrielle, thank you so much for coming on Friend of Maryland. Thanks for having me. So tell me more about your blog. I love a good fat positive blog. There aren't (laughs) enough of them, in my opinion. That's very true, especially not here. Um, I started this October back in 2016, um, basically because I was getting into fat activism quite a lot. I was reading a lot of things, reading a lot of uh, Virgie Tovar, Jess Baker and whatnot. And I was really like, as you know, it just changed my whole worldview to hear about those things and see all those things differently. And I was talking to a bunch of friends of mine because I'm a journalist and like, that's my job. So I was complaining that there's not any content like that in French for the people to know about it locally. And I was like, it's really missing. We need this. Like it needs to be available in like French Canada and one of my best friends was like, just do it. You know, <laughs> like you, you can do it. That's actually what you do for a living. So stop complaining and do it. So I did. And yeah, that's how it was born a few, like almost four years ago now. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, like, I know you're a freelance writer. Did you have other blogs before this one or were you writing for other people? Uh, no, it, it was my first blog uh, ever, actually. I, I write mostly for like women's magazine, like Elle magazine and some other local stuff that you might not know of. Um, in like the recent years, maybe the last three years, I've been asked by some of my like regular clients to write about fat phobia, fat positivity, because it's now it's in the conversation a lot more. I don't know, like all over the world for sure. But here it's it's like it's taken a bit longer to kind of take off. But now it's being talked about. So since I'm already a freelance writer and pretty much the only blog that talks about it here now, there's like two or three more. But it, it was one of the first ones. Um, I've been lucky enough to, like, so now I can sometimes get paid to actually talk about this. So it's really just the best of both worlds. I was going to ask if you had been writing fat positive material before you started the blog. Um, but obviously oh, no. she kind of shared you had it, but you've been asked since then to write fat positive stuff for some more mainstream publications. Yeah, exactly. Before the blog, I was, I didn't have a, any blog before about anything. So I hadn't, I hadn't been writing about it at all. At first, when I started the blog, mostly I was, like trying to translate and and like 
relay information that I was seeing elsewhere so that it was available for the French speaking people here. Um, so at first it was mostly that. And then once the blog kind of took off and the conversation was like conversations about fat phobia were getting more mainstream then I was asked to, I was actually hired by my regular clients to write about it. And what have been the reactions to both the blog itself, um, but also, you know, some of these pieces that might be reaching uh, audience members that, you know, wouldn't have necessarily come across your blog or other kinds of fat positive material in the past? Um, You know what, it's actually been more positive and less traumatizing than I was expecting. Um, Which is awesome. (laughs) Yes, yes. I'm I'm actually really grateful for that. I'm I'm not sure why, because I see like the the nastiest things being said so often and I've been pretty lucky, fingers crossed for some reason. Um, like for sure, there's the usual pushback, like those ideas really, they're really confronting to a lot of people. Like, I've, but I don't know, it's been, it's been received okay. Um, I, I, I think what usually gets the most reactions is all this stuff about like, it's an angle that's been interesting to work with because people really empathize faster is when we're talking about uh, medical fat phobia and we have like I had a lot of um, of people write in and say that literally like they went to their doctors and their doctors were so obsessed with their fatness that they didn't diagnose a, like a cancer or something really really bad or like that angle usually works like I think it's a shocking thing that people are really appalled at and so it kind of bypasses their their fat phobia and their weight bias and they empathize with the people as human beings right off the bat. So it's been like a good way to introduce that conversation. So I try to start with that when it's, you know, like the initial conversation. But mostly it's been received pretty well. And it's kind of a small, like French Canada, it's not a big media scene. Like there's not that many people. So once you have a spot in there, which I do, you know, as in like because it's my job, it's easier to get those ideas through to like, almost all of the people pretty fast so that's been nice like it's been like the ideas can travel pretty fast you know and I mean that is one of the really incredible things about engaging in you know web 2.0 tools like blogs and other forms of social media is yeah there's um very little limitations around how quick something can move how often you can get out there you know with new information or new you know angles um and, you know, to hear that most of what you're getting back is positive is, is incredible. Um, yeah. And I hope it stays that way for you. Me um, too. <laughs> you know, because as I'm sure you're aware, you know, oftentimes for women on the internet, uh, especially fat women. <laughs> it's so brutal. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. Brutal. You know, the, the feedback is, is, is not of the, you know, kind of positive variety. Um, what... Uh, uh, in terms of like your blog and, and, and the work that you've been doing, do you have a sense of like, you know, are you going to continue doing this blog for several years? Are you hoping that this might kind of be a, a, a platform to, to something different? Do you have an idea about kind of what might lie in store for you and your activism in the future? Um, I'm not sure. Like we, we, we've been uh, talking about starting a podcast in French uh, lately with a bunch of friends because when, when I started the hey. blog, hey. <laughs> See, you're inspiring everybody. Well, um, I think, I mean, the more fat positive podcasts, the better. And yes. I'm not aware of any that are actually in French. No, that doesn't no, mean that they neither. don't exist. So um, it's the same but, thinking um, as yeah, with the blog. We're like, you know. Yeah. 
so um I'm like hopefully hopefully that happens and I, I remember when I started the blog like it was never really like it, it doesn't like it's not called my name you know and I really didn't front myself all that much because what I wanted was to create more of a media quote-unquote I guess so I have some collaborators that come on and write because I wanted to have like a variety of experiences so I think I'm going to keep doing that like I try to um like provide a, a platform with already like a readership that's already there for people to talk about their different perspectives because I know mine is very limited as just a white cis women like I'm you know I'm basically on the cusp of mid and large fat so there's like a bunch there's a bunch more perspectives that I can't really speak to so I'm hoping yeah. to give more space to more people but it's um it's been hard honestly like it's it's you have to do a lot of work before you're able to talk about your reality in a way that feels constructive and helpful to people so I've, I've been yeah I've been trying to to, um, to make it like a welcoming space with you know so more people can can feel like safe to to co-create with me on it so that's what I'm hoping to keep doing for the you know next few years yeah and I, I mean I love the idea about things that are collaborative and especially you know when you're talking about things like blogs or, or podcasts mm -hmm. one of the things that I often um no let me let me back up approach this differently okay. I get lots of people who come to me and go, I'm interested in starting a podcast. You know, can I chat with you about it? I am always happy um, to talk to and help support other fat people in the work that they're doing. And I get especially excited about, you know, the idea of podcasts. Mm -hmm. um, you know, one of the things, though, that um, is often, I think, what holds people off from doing it or, you know, becomes the um, the pitfall or something that often, you know, they struggle with is how to make it sustainable. Um yeah. You know, because if it's just you doing the work, doing all the work yourself, um, and, you know, especially if you're trying to, like, put something out every week or, you know, like with mm -hmm. blogs, like every day or whatever it is, like, that's an awful lot of work. Um, yeah. That's unpaid and, you know, unacknowledged in so many ways that I think that obviously the way uh, the the solution often to the sustainability question actually is making something that's collaborative, making sure that it's not just you having mm -hmm, to mm -hmm. produce all of the, the the content. So I love that idea for a fat positive uh, podcast in French. I don't speak French, but I will still subscribe <laughs> to your podcast Thank um, you. and support it in every way that I can. <laughs> I appreciate that. That's adorable. Um. Gabrielle, do you, are you connected in with, so I'm talking to, you know, fat people largely in Montreal at the moment, but I'm going to be going kind of all over Canada. Yeah. Are you connected in with the larger kind of fat activist community within Montreal or within Canada or even just in the larger world through the internet? Yes, pretty much everywhere. Um, there's not much of a community here, honestly. There's probably like 10 of us, but it's, 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 it's getting bigger now um but yeah I'm, I'm following like almost everyone that i should be following but if you have any suggestions i'll take them all it's never yeah. uh, you can never have enough perspectives and never you know, yeah enough well i mean i was just thinking more of you know a community for support for you you know oh, being able to you know kind of fall really. back on <laughs> yeah because really. i think that's important but, uh, yeah you're right yeah Right. Well, I mean, you know, what, what I could what I could say with my tongue in my cheek is that my show is, um, as of this week, launching the Canadian part of the tour, yes. uh, starting in Montreal. So if you tune in, um, you'll be introduced to a new rad fatty every week. That's fantastic. <laughs> I'll know all of my Canadian rad fatties. I actually really need that. I'm really excited, and I'm so glad to be a part of it. 
Gabrielle, um, where can people go uh, to find you and to find your blog? Um, well, the blog is thisoctobre.com. I'm going to say it in French, assuming that only the French-speaking uh, listeners will want to go. Otherwise, um, I'm also on Instagram at thisoctobre. Like we we did, we taped one episode yet. So uh, to this, like, so yeah, we've taped one episode of the podcast so far. So it's going to be called This October Le Podcast, quite simply. And I guess it's going to be available on all the same platforms where you can find uh, all the other podcasts. So I'm hoping that, uh, yeah, that's about it. Instagram, Facebook, and a future podcast that will be uh, available soon. Gabrielle, thank you so much for coming on Friend of Maryland today. It's been such a really a treat to, to talk to you. And I'm so super excited uh, about where you're going to go in the future. And I'm going to be watching for that podcast. Thank you so much. That's fantastic. I, I'm really glad that I'm, I get to be a part of this. It feels very, uh, yeah, I'm very proud. I'm excited. I really thank you for calling me. Joining me today is Carolyn Norton, a bisexual fat lady and lifelong Alaskan who loves theater, music books, and helping create safe communities. Carolyn, thank you so much for coming on Friend of Maryland. Thank you for having me. So Carolyn, tell me just a little bit more about yourself in general. Sure. So, um, well, I live in Homer, Alaska, and I was born here, um, grew up here, and it was a beautiful place to grow up. And now I am raising my son here. I'm a single parent and I work in an, I work in his elementary school. Um, and, you know, we're just uh, creating our own little Alaskan family here. So yeah, that's what I'm up to. It's really awesome. Um, in your bio, you know, you note that you do a lot of work around creating safe communities. I'd love to hear more about that. Um, I mean, just kind of first and foremost, like, what does that phrase mean to you? What does it mean to create a safe community? Sure. Well, I think it means a lot of things. So, I mean, just even going from, uh, as I mentioned, my son and I creating a family for ourselves um, and the people around us, to me, that's a safe community, knowing that we have supportive people around us. Um, I also am really invested in the community of Homer, having grown up here um, and, you know, having known so many of the people that live here for such a long time and also living in a state with such a small population where so many of us know one another. Um, and as a bisexual woman, having a queer community is very important to me. Um, I do a lot of community theater and my theater community is very important. So I guess that work extends to all of those communities. Um, I kind of got started, uh, I think in 2000, and nine at a children's advocacy center um, where I was an advocate working with kids and uh, their supportive adults who were experiencing uh, sexual abuse or severe physical abuse. And, um, and it became, it was a whole uh, experience that I was fortunate enough never to have experienced personally. And so it really opened up my eyes to 
um, some of the things that um, folks in our community have had to endure. And it just became really important to me to advocate for, um, for children who sort of legally and societally don't really have their own voices or aren't respected as having their own voices. Um, and uh, I became part of a bystander intervention project uh, called Green Dot um, that originated as a um, as an on-campus program. Uh, and Alaska became the pilot site for designing this as a actually a community uh, effort. So um, I got to work with the folks that were um, putting this into practice and building this community-based effort to reduce interpersonal violence in communities. And so we were doing a lot of reaching out to um, organizations and businesses and individuals and um, teaching, doing a lot of training, um, basically just giving people the tools to safely intervene in a way that felt really empowering to them and would create more safety for those around them um, and reduce violence in this community. Um, So, because you may or may not know, but Alaska is unfortunately has very high rates of domestic violence and sexual assault, um, which is particularly true for, um, Alaska Native women, and they're often uh, made the victims of this kind of violence. So that, to me, is like the the underlying um, force behind uh, the choices that I make in my life, I, I guess you could say. So I don't currently work at that organization anymore. I work at an elementary school uh, as an aide. Um, but I still like to be involved in those efforts as much as I can. And I've been um, also working with an organization called Choosing Our Roots, which um, originated in Anchorage, but they have recently expanded to other areas of the state. And they are devoted to providing services and supportive housing for uh, queer youth who are experiencing homelessness or housing instability. And so um, it's been really wonderful to work with them and expand my own queer community personally, just getting to know those folks. And, um, and also just to kind of bring it back to fatness a little bit, as a fat queer person, I love the fact that that intersection I know is present in youth in Homer. And so to create a community that would provide a supportive, safe home for uh, even one fat queer person in the future just brings me a lot of joy. So that's my very long answer to your question. (laughs) That is okay. Long answers, uh, long answers aren't a bad thing. Um, In the work that you've done, like specifically with the, the queer youth, what would you say are some of the barriers for them in, um, I mean, obviously, I, I'm, I'm making the assumption that the reason that they're homeless is because they've been kicked out um, or fled from um, abusive situations. So what are some of the barriers uh, that they face, especially when they end up working alongside your organization? Sure. Um, so that that is often the case. It's not always the case um, that that's why they find themselves in unstable situations. Um the, some of the barriers, I guess, um, I would say 
difficult for me to talk about because I'm very new to this organization. So I don't know if, you know, I can speak very eloquently on this, but, you know, just the fact that this is such a small town and that basically anywhere you go in Alaska is a small town and there's not, um, so there's not really, uh, I think in more metropolitan areas, perhaps there is, there are more kind of established sub communities um, where you can find support. But in Homer, it's more like uh, it, you know everyone and everyone knows you. And so in some ways you wind up being pigeonholed into uh, one version of yourself. And so if somebody is expelled from the their previous family or community, it's very difficult for them to find somewhere to go here because it's pretty much all they have. Um, and so, you know, externally, there are a lot of things like it tends to be really cold here. It's not safe to sleep outside. Um, and the rates of violence are really high. So that is a population that's very vulnerable to that. And there's a lot of substance use that um, tends to go around that is, uh, again, that folks might be more vulnerable to. Um, and then again, politically in Alaska, um, I would say it's not the most accepting of uh, queer folk in general. And so there is, that is a definite barrier here for youth as well. Um, fortunately, there are also some really delightful queer people and queer supporting people that are here um, just individually who have done so much already for this community and who have, you know, hosted youth on their couches with no support whatsoever, like for years. And so kind of what Choosing Our Roots is trying to do is just identify those folks and just provide them a little bit more structure and support and, um, and hopefully build on that because definitely we want to recognize the work that's been done already for, you know, forever and ever by queer folks here. So um, yeah, that's to me really hopeful. Carolyn, if there are people listening who are really keen to, to get involved and help support, they might be in Homer. Uh, they might be in larger Alaska. They might be outside of Alaska, but still really keen uh, to kind of help support the kind of work that that group is doing. Um, is there a way for them to do that? Is there like a web page that they can go and learn more information or? Yeah, absolutely. So they can go to choosingourroots.org. Um, there's also a Facebook page if you just search for Choosing Our Roots. Um, and they do a really cool uh, thing where they have info sessions uh, kind of on a regular basis. And all those events will be listed on their Facebook page. And if you want to know more about the organization, you can sign up for one of those Zoom calls and find out about everything they have to offer. And they're um, definitely a kind of grassroots volunteer collective. And so anybody who's interested in participating and supporting is fully welcome. <laughs> That's awesome, Carolyn. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. I really appreciate um, what you shared about the work that you're doing in Homer, and hopefully some other people listening might reach out and try to get involved as well. Yeah, I hope so. Thank you so much. Joining me 
today is Hilary, a plus-size model and influencer in Italy. Hilary, thank you so much for coming on Friend in Maryland. Hey. Hi. So um, tell me a little bit more about yourself. Um, I'm uh, an Italian curvy plus-size uh, influencer and uh, uh, I start modeling uh, last year. I try to... I, I would like to prove that uh, it's not important to be slim or perfect uh, to be a model or to to have self-confidence so I try to put my my pics uh, on Instagram and then uh, I I reach uh, lot of people and uh, I see that uh, I like and then I continue to modeling I think <laughs> sorry bad English <laughs> no you're you're doing great um you have a lot of followers on Instagram. Yes. I'm 141 now. Thousand? Yes. Yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> that, that, that's a whole lot. Um, tell me more about when you started modeling. Um. I start uh, doing uh, pics with uh, my friend that uh, my friend do pic, uh, did uh, pics uh, to me she photographed me and uh, then I post uh, these uh, pics on Instagram and some photographer contact me to to do photo and be their model and then uh, I start uh, and I liked uh, very much because uh, I see that uh, model is uh, to be model is uh, very good for me and, and I start. What is it what is it like for you as a plus size model in Italy? Are people um, happy for you? Are they receptive to plus size models? Uh, not very. Uh, there is uh, some different point of view. Some Italians don't like, the more part of Italians don't like, but uh, other part like, and also there are very lot of girls that uh, like plus size girl or uh, use uh, me as a point uh, to... To be to have self confident, uh, it's important uh, for me. And um, do you think that varies based on where someone is in Italy? Like, are the bigger cities more plus size friendly than the smaller parts of the country? I think uh, it's not. Uh, I know that in every part of Italy, cool. Uh, we could uh, find uh, pro and uh, not pro. I know that could uh, start to we could uh, start to uh, approaching Italians to plus size model and uh, then uh, I think uh, some years. Sorry. Yeah, no, that's uh, okay. I, I understand what you're saying. Um, do you, have you modeled? Um, anywhere outside of Italy and if you have 
did you find people responded to that to you differently when you left the country? Um, I never model outside uh, for now because it's a year that I start. But uh, I would like uh, to came out uh, of Italy and uh, because my my followers are more outside Italy than that in. So sorry, Ilari. Did you say that you only started this a year ago? Yes, uh, I start modeling a year ago. <laughs> I mean, that's that's incredible that you've only been doing this for a year and you have over a hundred thousand followers on Instagram, right? Like, uh, I think that's incredible. Yes. <laughs> yes, but in Italy, I participate a TV show, so I think it's also for this. But my, more of my followers are from uh, other country. Right, that makes sense. So, um, are you hoping that Italy will become friendlier to plus size people? I would love uh, to think that uh, in the future uh, it's uh, more possible that uh, we are friendly more friendly than now. Excellent, Lurie. Well, thank you so much for coming um, on my show today. It's been really lovely to talk with you. Thanks. Thanks for listening to another episode of Friend of Maryland. Friend of Maryland is brought to you by Manawatu People's Radio, triple nine AM. If you'd like to contact the show with questions, comments, concerns, or suggestions for topics or guests, you can email us at friendofmaryland at AOL.com. You can also find us on Twitter, Tumblr, Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. If you're a fan of NPR, listening to our podcasts and live stream has never been easier. Just search for accessmedia.nz on the App Store or Google Play and download the app with the Kiwi Fruit logo. Once you've got it, pick Manawatu People's Radio from the list of stations and go find your new favorite show.